Welcome to Newsworthy with okay, Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends. Welcome back to the show. It is the August wrap-up. Get ready for some awesome. Yes. Johnny Storm, how goes it, man? Hi. Pretty good, man. How are you, Luke? Good, good. Um, I uh, got a little message from my uh, co-worker, my assistant, Nancy. She told me that she got a message from uh, your assistant, Deb. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What was uh, something about uh, trying to rip off my Thursday lunch group? Is that what was going on? No, it was more emotional support for Nancy. <laughs> I I told Deborah just a little bit about you, and she was like, "Oh man, she's so nice to do that." That's really thoughtful. She really is. She really is. So she was just trying to watch out for a. Sister in the kingdom, you know. Okay, well that's that's thoughtful of her. You know, I um, I ran into David Ray this last weekend, who is an elder at your church, and um, uh, he informed me, or I think I floated the idea to him that you were trying to do my lunch group, and uh, I wanted to kind of temper his expectations <laughs> yeah. about what it was going to do, because you know, let me tell you something: you can get a mesquite wood, put it in a grill, turn it on, get it real hot. But if you put a piece of spam on it, it's not going to turn into a T-bone. Oh, <laughs> uh, you worked on that line. <laughs> no, for so I didn't. Long, no, haven't you? Yes, it just you came have. to me. Just came to me. Yeah, yeah. You laid in bed at night two <laughs> weeks ago and thought, and then I'll say, <laughs> put a piece of spam on it. Hey, I'm just—I was just trying to help out. You know, it was giving you a language that you understood. Food. First, well, first off, I know. Um, I appreciate how quickly you've made this your own thing that, you know, you, yeah. this is just your genius. It is. You came up with I this, didn't. I didn't. but that must kill you because then you don't get to say the thing that you love to say. What's that? Jesus's nope. name? <laughs> <laughs> no, who really had the idea? It's been so long, I don't even know what you're talking about. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I also have had that experience with Rob Bell's ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is... Consider this your cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Okay, the other day, I had my phone out, and I was uh, sitting next to my daughter, and I was watching some guy preach on like a Facebook video. And Avery, my eight-year-old, says, Dad, what, what is that in front of, in front of him? And I said, that's, uh, that's his notes. And she goes, what is that? And I go, well, you know, some people have notes in front of them while they're preaching. And she goes, oh, that's not fair. It makes it way too easy. <laughs> I was yeah, yeah, so proud of her in that moment, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just um, from the mouth of babes, you know. That's how it works. That's true. That's true. So I use notes. I, I could understand why you w I've seen your notes. I understand why you wouldn't <laughs> want to use those notes. <laughs> Yep, yep, well, whatever, man. I'm not judging. I'm just telling them that's what my daughter said. I didn't say, hey, this is the only right way to do it. I'm just saying this is the way. I mean, <laughs> the way. The way. That, <laughs> this is the way. This is, I mean, it's a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's a dumb one, but it's a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well. Well, August was a good month. Yeah, it was. Just wrapping up. I feel like there was something I was going to make fun of you for, and I can't remember what it was. You should have sat in your bed and rehearsed it, like the cool people <laughs> no, do. No, no kidding. <laughs> uh, you do it, you rehearse it in front of the mirror. <laughs> That's why I don't need... The worst part is Nancy told me that Deb called or emailed or whatever at the beginning of the month, and I was like, oh, man, I've got to sit on this for like four <laughs> weeks until I can say it. I have... <laughs> It's <laughs> just burning a hole in my stomach. I'm looking through our text because I want to make sure that I don't miss this because there was. Oh, forget it. Oh, AJ Swoboda, you oh, yeah. punked me out by taking a screenshot of her text messages. No, I didn't. And putting it on Twitter. What did I say? I just said oh, you and AJ are doing a series together, didn't I? Your two favorite Calvinists. You called me a Calvinist again. <laughs> <laughs> I love how funny you think you are. <laughs> Neither one of us are Calvinists, for Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. That's what they all say. This is just like the... No, I wasn't in, in the Nazi party. No, I wasn't. Everyone says well, that. I, I was thinking about Nazis, how they immediately started calling what 
Jews vermin. Mm -hmm. So this is like your move to dehumanize someone is to call them a Calvinist. (laughs) All your opinions are null and void if... If you're a Calvinist. No, I love Calvinists. Although, when I do Skype with you, I I have a stronger sense of total depravity. So (laughs) there is a... Well, luck- there is that. Well, luckily, this podcast is on FaceTime, so uh, that won't happen. <laughs> little technology <laughs> riff right there. You're right. You know, um, <clears throat> we're going to go in opposite order this this month. Um, we had uh, Sean Anequist um, back on, President of a Perfect. We had uh, Chris Green and Pete Enns doing The Revenant. And then we had Monica Coleman uh, talking about bipolar faith. But... The one we're going to start with is our very last podcast, and um, I know this is probably a tough one for you to hear. I can imagine you, Jonathan, listening to your old guru, mentor, your first Rob Bell, and by Rob Bell, I mean person that you stalked and ripped off most of their content. <laughs> um, I just imagine you listening to this podcast with that Foo Fighters song <laughs> in the background, There Goes My Hero, Watch Him As He Burns. <laughs> Is that how you felt? You're like, oh, there's part of me dying right now. Uh, I was I was sad when I first heard that um, Rich was getting out of ministry. He was my freshman Bible teacher, too. Uh, although the difference is he got me to speak in chapel. Hmm. So, yeah, well, that- punching up. I hope that makes you feel good, man. Just <laughs> bring it up. What? Okay. Uh, yep, I'm just punching up. That's That's what I'm doing. So you, so if if that's your analogy, you honestly cannot pick on me. I never do because isn't that the rule? I don't. Like you're not supposed to I, punch I d- down. I don't feel like I ever pick on you. I do. I give yeah. Big Brother advice. Sure. The poll, the poll, <laughs> the Twitter poll. That's what I was going to bust your chops about. <laughs> the internet has decisively no. spoken that I am better than you. Yeah. <clears throat> Would that mean uh, that you think that Donald Trump is a better presidential candidate than all the other Republicans? Oh, another another bedtime routine that you've worked up for this. No, I just I was just throwing it out there. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no, I don't. This is this, this is like you people my- people are suffering and you're going. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I won a Twitter poll. <laughs> the polls are in, and I did great. <laughs> I agree. People are suffering. What People are suffering in the world, and all you're going to bring up is the fact that you're the polls are in. I'm great. I'm huge. That's what it is. So okay, I'm I'm Donald Trump now. It went from being like a democracy doesn't work argument to me being yeah. wow. So this cut pretty close to the root for you, didn't it? I don't know what root is being cut, but I don't I don't feel any cutness to any root in this. So here's a question, and I want you to answer honestly. Okay. Did you vote? No, I didn't vote. Did you? You no, did. I didn't. Okay. I didn't, but I was 100% sure you did. No. I didn't even notice it until a couple of days later. No, that's not true. You are such a liar. <laughs> I mean, there might have been a new account, Luke and Austin, at Twitter <laughs> that voted seven times, but uh, not <laughs> no, I didn't vote. Okay, so there's a poll that our, um, I guess, y- your coworker, uh, I guess he technically is your, um, he reports to you, um, and so not surprisingly, he rigged a poll in which you won, uh, in which there are twelve people that liked you more more than they liked me, and. Um, you know, in that way, I'm kind of like Jesus, I guess. Um, you know, people pick others right. over me. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> your ability, to, your ability to turn stuff into you being like Jesus. Aren't I the one who got the 12? Should, shouldn't that make me like Jesus? No, no. Because if you remember in the story of Jesus, there was an option for him to not go to the cross. And the people voted for someone else. And uh, not Jesus, which I guess is... Makes me Barabbas and you Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. I'm not going to argue. So, yeah, sure. Okay, all right. I see your, I see your crummy logic there. Uh, I, he did not set up a poll that was rigged. I had no idea he was doing that either. I mean, I'm sure it happened during staff meeting, and you said, hey, if you want to be considered for employment in 2017, go ahead and vote. <laughs> you are so funny. Can we get back to... That's the, the bit... 
that's the bitterness of your people not setting up a poll for you. No, no. See, I just don't. I just don't do that to my people. They're my friends. I don't try to force or manipulate them to do things just to feed my ego. All right. Yep. And that's why you're not on top. So. <laughs> At least you admitted it. Okay. So let's go back to. So back to Rich. Rich, little, so there you are in your uh, in your office. Uh, standing up there at your desk. I mean, it's a normal-sized desk, but you just stand up for obvious reasons. <laughs> and you're listening to Rich talk. <laughs> and you're listening to Rich, and he's talking about stepping away from the institution of church religion altogether. You've got Foo Fighters in the background. There goes my hero. What are you feeling? So you you knew this. I mean, this was not a, a shocking bit of news to you. You've, you've known for a few months that Rich is doing this. Yeah. But yeah. you probably haven't heard him articulate it like this. Right. Um, you know, I was I was sad for a lot of reasons, and one is just myself. Like, um, I'm sad because Rich was like a resource to do this job that is a hard job. Mm-hmm. In, in the sense that our churches are really similar in lots of ways. And um, so we've talked about the joys and challenges of it. We, you know, we did a series on marriage three years ago together where we both flew to Vegas and interviewed people on the strip at 3 a.m. to um, have for like bumper videos and promo videos. And it was so fun. And um, so, I mean, it was just that. Part of the reason I got into preaching was Rich telling me at, in the cafeteria at Harding, uh, freshman year, you, you could do this, you should do this, the church needs you. And, you know, so there's there's that. Yeah. Um, I, I assume you didn't have that experience with him at freshman year because of... Just punching up, punching up. Punching up, punching I, up. I do think part of his, his experience... According with, to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> His experience, obviously, is working with university churches, which is obviously where you are right now. Uh, that definitely does impact church. Maybe we'll get into that eventually. But there's been uh, no podcast that I've done recently in the last year or so that's had as much feedback as this one. Uh, people, really? Yeah, people on both sides. People who are, um, like, I, would, I don't want to say, like, frustrated, but just doesn't sit right with them. Um, part of it is maybe just, fr- like, being upset because someone that they look up to or someone who's a gifted uh, preacher is no longer preaching. Some is because they feel like, well, you know, church is still relevant. I don't, I don't, I think it is a good institution. And then on the other side, people go and, yeah, this really uh, reflects my experience. This really um, encapsulates where I am currently with church or issues that I, I have, and I struggle with, with rectifying those two things. So it's been one that's had a definite uh, delineation between, uh, the response by both both groups of those people. You know, there are days when I think I've been getting paid to go to church for so long. I wonder if I'd do it for free mm-hmm. anymore. And I definitely I resonated with a ton of stuff that Rich said. Um, you know, and I think it was an it's an awkward time to put a microphone in his face because um, I, I you I heard in the podcast like you know I'm still in process. He's still trying to work this stuff out. Um, the the worst thing in my experience that can happen to pastors is that they feel trapped, mm-hmm. and I'm glad he doesn't. You know that he, he he said that he would. I think the number was I said over, I said over 100 who feel trapped, and he said he thinks there's a good chunk of ministers who feel that way. Do you are are you in agreement with him on that? Do you think that there's a big chunk of ministers who? Who, who they don't have another way to make a living. They, they don't ideologically line up with the institution of church anymore, but they continue to do it because there's no other option for them. So in, in my world, and actually our world, you know, the people who preach, um, that is a rare thing for me to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm... I can't think of anyone. I can't think of one person that would go, you're just in this because you don't have any other options and you wish you could get out. And maybe, you know, there are people, if there was, you know, a very enticing option out there that was in a different sector, they might jump at it. But, I mean, I don't see anyone who's just, like, desperately trying to get out and they don't have an option. Well, okay, so one one of the things I was trying to do when I was listening to this is I – 
I realize I hit the jackpot when it comes to churches. Friends. Church, church, yes. Now, I got lucky with the churches that hired me. Um, the I believed in them. They believed in me. I believed in what we were trying to do together. Um, both of the churches I've worked at let me do more than just preach, but they let they give me a lot of free freedom in preaching as well. Um, they would let me lead and make an institutional difference. And um, the a lot of the churches that my friends from undergrad and graduate, the churches that hired my friends, hired a preacher and spit out a youth or a um, insurance agent. Yep. So you said and, good churches, they've given you freedom. Do you think that's one of the big factors that prevents churches from spitting out uh, ex-preachers? Oh, man, I think we could talk about this all day long, the the factors. And I do appreciate, like, the the stuff he was talking about on systems, the church system being broken, I think is spot on. I think um, that's where me and Rich are in total agreement the the most damning thing that about american church today for me is that so many preachers or pastors when they quit working at a church quit church and that is not that's not um i think that says a whole lot about the the way things are are functioning so that to be a preacher to step out and then you're just done with church altogether. What, what do you think? Well, there's a lo- what do you think it is about the system? Like, what's what part of the system is broken in your opinion? Um, you know, I, well, I think y'all talked about it. The part of it is the there's an inherent loneliness in in preaching the way stuff goes right now. The the happiest preachers are able to find community. Um either outside of their church or inside their church with people who don't expect them to be the preacher legitimately, you know, like who let yep. them be human and, yep. um, and you know, the, yeah, they, they don't expect them to always be the, the, the preacher guy or the preacher gal. And that's, that gives them the freedom to be human. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's like you said, you, you've lucked out and had, I mean, it's more than just luck, but you've ended up at really great churches, very healthy churches that, you know, part of what a healthy church does is it creates healthy ministers. And, you know, unhealthy churches create unhealthy ministers, and there's systems that impact everything. And so you've had a really good experience being at a place where, you know, I was very happy to be a church planner for seven years, and then being here. Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful for where I am. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's freedom and the ability to be authentic and have real relationships, which I think, yeah, outside of that, I think it would definitely make a preacher feel sequestered and, and not being being authentic. Yeah, I, I get that. So, I mean, the reason I think that's so important is because the reason we get into this is because we believe in it. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have an experience um, growing up in it and, you know, have real community and and then once you get in it, there's a subtle temptation to kind of stand apart from it, and um, yeah. and and that's almost you people want that they need you can't just you know emotionally vomit all over everybody all the time. So you have to have people that and you know preacher camp for mm-hmm. for us has been really helpful. Yeah, so having community outside of church enables you to be. You being full by outside community enables you to be more present as the preacher in your community because the expectations of a preacher are not that of a normal person. And that's what we signed up for to be a preacher. You know, I think sometimes you just got to put your big girl or big boy pants on and just do it. And that's part of it. Um, it, it seemed like he, he pointed at like two different issues. One was the, the church issue, like struggling to see the institution of church as being able to be the effective place to live out the faith of Jesus, which... Okay, I, I see that critique, and, and that's probably his experience, and I don't debate that at all. Now, the other side of that was the theological issues, where he said, you know, I asked him to mention a couple, and so he talked about virgin birth and uh, universalism. And so it, it seemed like there's a twofold issue, and, and yeah. I, think, I think that's pretty consistent with a lot of people. It's not just the, um, 
the way you experience church, but it's also your ideas about and your idea, ideologies about God. You think it's fair, right? Yeah, sure. But I, as if you don't feel like you can ask questions, or you know, if you have to toe a party line, then that can yeah. that can be damaging. I, I think as much as it is a theological issue, it's an experiential issue. Like, how do you experience your voicing of your ideas and your thoughts? And so, if you're at a church, and let's say. Um, okay, first of all, virgin birth universalism. Do you think if you had those ideas but didn't voice them in every sermon um, but kept those to yourself, do you think you could work at most churches in our tradition? No. No? Vir- yeah, like, wait, the virgin birth didn't happen in universalism? Uh, most churches? Are you, yeah. like, are you talking about most large churches in our tradition? Yeah, or? yeah, I mean... Talking to someone who grew up in a 12-minute member church in Arkansas might have skewed the data on this. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that's the majority of our churches and churches of Christ and probably in in a lot of denominations. Yeah. Yeah, You don't think you Um, could get away with having those tenets? There's a – well, because there's an educational divide, isn't Mm -hmm. there? Like the – I think the the schism in um, just a lot of different traditions right now is not about the stuff that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it goes to, you know, the – the episode with Chris and Pete because um, there's there's a t- entirely different ways of reading the Bible, entirely different ways of thinking about God and Jesus. And um, so, you know, I, I think, and a lot of times there's some really dark stuff mixed in there that we're blind to, like classism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. So like, you think in a more educated environment, like university churches like you've worked in and Rich has worked in, those ideas are more sure. likely to be able to be floated um, internally, yeah. maybe not on a, in a pulpit. Um, but at a more traditional church, yeah, you probably can't do that. I, I wonder more, and, and maybe this is some um, observation of other people who've had their uh, careers in ministry ended, is that it wasn't just what they said, but it was how they were treated by the rest of the community when they were sharing their ideas. Like, like going back to, to your best friend, Rob, um, I think his experience was deeply impacted by how he was treated even before he made some of his more uh, out there uh, their convictions public. You know what I'm saying? Because before mm-hmm. he mentioned his affirmation of gay marriage, he was already being pushed out of the, that the evangelical circle. Yep. I've tried tweeting farewell Luke Norsworthy so many times, but nobody's really getting behind That's it That's a yet. shame. Wait till I get a book, and then maybe that would help it become a best-selling book if you do that. Sure. I'll be waiting for a while, I imagine. That, that's, that's really hurtful. <laughs> that was too low. Yeah. I mean— That was too low. Coming from the author of the much-acclaimed— Oh, shut your yeah, mouth. Shut your yeah. mouth. How to Start a Riot— uh, you can buy a case of books uh, from Jonathan right now because often they're being used to raise bunk beds by his 42 kids. Um, but, or you can find them at any local Mardell's on the 99 cent mm-hmm. clearance yeah. aisle. Uh, oh, I hate actually you. They're being... So, yeah, back to, back to the thing. Well, one of the things, I, I think there's difference. That, so this is what Richard, what's crazy to me is that... Um, you, and you even alluded to this, like, you got Rachel Held Evans going back t- to church and searching for Sunday. You got Nadia Boltz-Weber and Sarah Bessie talking about how important church is. You got Richard Beck, who, um, it, in his latest book called The Church, The Laboratory of Love, The Laboratory of Peace. And he even talks about how progressive Christians love Jesus and lays out all this stuff, but says what they're not so good at is the very thing that Jesus does, which is start a community. Mm-hmm. Now, just to be clear to separate this from from Rich, I, it sounds to me like, and what I believe in him, I believe in his future, I love that guy. I, I'm a big Rich Little fan, and the stuff he, he was talking about, I resonated with a lot because we have similar experiences. But it sounds to me like he might be on the more house church trajectory, and, and terminology is a little bit, you know, he, he hasn't got all that worked out. But I'm, I love house churches. I grew up in a house church that happened to be in a church building. So that's, 
um, I get it, and and I understand like walking away from one system of doing church to the other, um, and and you know even I think the sacraments are important. I think he'll he'll work that out, but um, uh, even atheists are coming up with churches now. Like it, this matters, and and part of the reason I want to push back on not not rich, but the the sentiment that I think a lot of people have that maybe they're um, they're talking about with with that podcast is radical individualism is a real it's a problem in our culture and especially homogeneous radical individualism mm-hmm. and and you know rich is trying to work out like working through nonprofits and those kind of things um, but it, institutions are really really important for social change. Yeah. Yep. No, you're right. I, and you know who gets you know who gets this? Our black brothers and sisters. Like when I went on that bus ride to justice because I actually care about racial reconciliation last year and you didn't go, but when I went <laughs> on that, they were telling me like um, how how interesting it is that this leaving church thing is more of a white phenomenon than anything because they're. Um, I, like Sean Palmer, I think, is somebody who said this several times. But the institution of church, the institutions, they matter. And civic disengagement is is higher than ever. I think 8% of people are who set the – who the both major party nominees would be. That's how low voting is. And, you know, there's all these – there's a book called The Fractured Republic, which I have not read, but the, the summary of it basically is what's happened over the last decade is because of all these mid-level institutions that mediate individual and community, um, we're putting all our expectations on the state. Hmm. And the state can't do that. The state can't create a Rosa Parks or a Dr. King or – you know uh, what I mean? It, it can't make a Kent Brantley. You can't legislate that yeah. stuff. Hmm. Well, I want Rich to know that I at least have his back, even if Jonathan doesn't, and that I'm still friends with him. So, um, how did you get that out of what I just? No, said? I was just saying that I, I'm a fan of him. So I've got your back, Rich. I'm here for you. And that's... what about what about what about what he said about um, preachers doing it for the ego? Did that just really convict you to the core? No. No. Okay, so you're not you're not quite. You know why? Self aware. You know yet. why? Because I tell myself every Sunday this will not make me feel loved, and uh, the best thing I can offer the world is not my sermons or my jokes, but a well tended spirit and a wise and brave soul. That's why. Just like my friend Shauna talks wow. about. I think that's why Shauna and I really <laughs> connected so much because we both get that. So I think I think these are the subtle cues that we're transitioning is that no, right we can transition if you want you want to talk about shauna now yeah let's let's do okay. that yeah that's that's it okay um shauna Nequist back on the show for the second time uh her book i saw was like number two on the new york times bestseller um week it came out so uh a lot of people liked the book and you know who one of those people was who liked the book me i liked it yeah listening to you two enneagram sevens talk was like a being at a pep rally you guys were so excited. No. Happy to be alive. Joy the Lord, you know. So uh, I haven't read the book yet, but she talks a lot about work in it. Yes, yes. She said, uh, let me see you work, 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 work. And what I think she meant by that, nothing on that? Uh, you no. didn't get that? <laughs> no, okay. I got it. Um <clears throat> Yeah, actually, I think I'm going to rip off part of what she does for a series I'm going to do on the subject of work next month. Um, I, this, the part that... Hey, hey, are you, uh, are you going to go visit people at their No, work? I'm not going to. I already did. Oh, that is a great Thank idea. You. Where did you get that from? Uh, I think Shackman did it, maybe. Uh, nope, he didn't. Wade? Nope, he didn't. Rob? <laughs> no. I don't know. Tim Keller? No, he didn't. Never okay. mind. Uh, I'll, I just wanted to uh, 
publicly shame you the way that you started off this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you did a sermon on work, and so um, m- most of your sources were um, Calvinist, which is, uh, <laughs> that's just true. I mean, they are, so it's fine. Um, You're right. For work, they are, aren't they? Uh, when you, re- when you like, get into the resources for studying on that? No. Wait, you're just making your slam on me. I'm not a Calvinist. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, let's go back to what I'm going to use from Shauna's material on work is um, the conviction that whatever you're doing, it's not going to make you feel loved. And it's easy to work for achievement and status, and that's not really the game. I think people give you status, but God gives you significance, and learning to live out of that significance instead of the status you get— that was very meaningful to me from what you wrote about. So the big aha moment for me about this actually didn't come from my series on work. It came from me reading on the seven deadly sins. And the, the, one of the major sins that I actually struggle with is sloth. Um, what, what does sloth I, mean? So like everybody thinks lazy, but sloth is, is often... Um, a symptom of sloth is often workaholism for exactly the reasons that y'all were talking about. Hmm. It is uh, it is a refusal to do the work set in front of you. And so you avoid, like the work at home, you avoid the, the work you're being called to at home by being in the office till 7 o'clock at night. Wow. And huh. in that way, that's a vice that I struggle with. Not not just that, but like you, you don't want to do conflicts, so you do the fun stuff that yeah. you like. You you like writing sermons. What instead of the very things in front of you? Huh. So you distract yourself from. So work really just becomes another device, a vice that just distracts you from what you don't want to do. And it's a kind of laziness because it is a refusal to enjoy the life that you actually have, huh. to engage and participate in the life that you actually have. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, right? That's Glittering Vices, Rebecca DeYoung. Hmm. Who's a Calvinist? Um, I, don't, I don't know that. <laughs> Kevin DeYoung. She, I think she might teach at Calvin yeah, College. Yeah, of course, so. like I said. Uh, yeah. <sighs> what did you, th- what'd you think about the line um, about the best thing that you can offer the world is a healthy soul? No, uh, yeah. Yes, I mean, you agree with that? that you, you want... Something more profound than yeah. yeah, I think that's right. I think you you know trying to do the hard work of of knowing who you are before God yeah. and then bring that into every room so you're in. There, it was probably in the last two weeks. I, I uh, there's an ottoman that I used to pray on, and I was standing in front of my ottoman about to sit down and pray, and my first and I had this thought that flashed in my head like, why don't you just skip this and start working on your sermon? Because there's part of me that thought, you know, if I would have gotten, get, get ahead of my work for today, then I'd feel better and I feel like I've accomplished more than tending to mm-hmm. my soul. And it's very, I mean, even when you're talking about writing a sermon about like whatever it was about, like God or like loving people or something, it, even that can feel like it's, it's more important than actually being present with God. Yeah, dude, I have that every day, every day. It's like this, um, because it's exciting, writing sermons, getting that done. and Yeah, I love um, the feeling of checking something off a to-do list. Such a good yep, feeling. Yep. Yeah. And ministry like feels like you're being chased by a bear sometimes. And so having a little bit st- extra stuff done, mm-hmm. you know. Well, speaking of bears. <laughs> Gosh. I just played in your stupid segue what? hands. No, I? you didn't. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about The Revenant, didn't we? Yeah, we named it The Revenant, mm-hmm. didn't yeah. we? Uh, I think the Twitter named it, and I think we just went with it. <laughs> Did you see the graphic for that? Uh, yes, that was ah, good. Yeah. It was good. I, I, that's not as good as your Holy Spirit versus Harvard <laughs> one. I like the that line was just really good, Holy Spirit versus Harvard. It's hard to replicate that. Yeah. But the graphic was pretty amazing. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Green, PDEN's back on. Which is kind of like a major whiplash after talking to Shauna. Did you sense that? Like Shauna's like tending um, to the soul and spirituality and like you're, you're I don't know, kind of. Yeah, those, those guys are deep. Yeah, and then and switched over to yeah. like a very technical, you know, discussion on text. So, yeah. 
I love how much PNs makes fun of you. I love it. Just the little jabs like, you know, uh, Chris, you obviously understand this, but Luke obviously doesn't, so I'm going to speak real slowly. Mm-hmm. But Punching it's just, up. Man, I like Punching that guy. up. <laughs> okay, okay, so Pete Inns is punching up to you, just to be clear. Well, let's not, we don't have to but, get in the, the semantics of this. I'm just saying that's what some people do. So your words are just nonsense or No, gibberish. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's fine. He can uh, do it. If that, do you know he's, uh, he's coming to Pepperdine next year? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that until you said it in Boom. the podcast. Said it. Are you trying to test to see if I listen <laughs> to the podcast? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I was just making a conversation, you know, podcast. I wondered if Mike had already announced that or if you... Cause I, <clears throat> yes, of course. I texted Mike before and I said, hey, are you okay, okay if okay. I tell this to the world? So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so um, the ends... So, okay, let's talk about doing violence to the text, which is pretty strong language. What do you... That's what you call Sunday morning. <laughs> 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 At least I use the text. Um, today we're. Oh, are we, oh, wait. Are we talking about chicken soup for the t- soul now? Is that the text? Today we'll that be we're... reading from page fourteen of Desiring God, and um, <laughs> let's go ahead and chant in God's most glorified when I'm most satisfied. <laughs> there are worse things that you could have a church say. First off, you jerk. But second off. <laughs> There are about a billion things you could say better than that, though, Uh, including Chris Green's and Pete Enzer on the podcast. That's a better thing to say. So do so. Okay, so the the question of like, how do you deal um, with how the Old Testament uses the New Testament? Or excuse me, the New Testament uses the Old Testament. I I wonder how many people have to be. mm, When did you first? realize like hey there's something weird about how people in the new testament use the old testament in terms of a historical critical way of using the old testament um i think you know there's always been in in you know grad grad school was where it just really kind of fell apart on me and jeff childers hermeneutics class was really helpful but even in you know undergrad there was stuff like well that's not what that's about Mm mm-hmm um, Monty Cox, one of, one of the professors at Harding, I remember junior year, and I came back and I started telling this to everybody, and it probably wasn't a good idea. Um, but he, he stood up in class one day, and there was a question about the Bible. And I think this summarizes what they were trying to do. And Monty's a conservative guy at a conservative college. But he said, hey, you guys know the Bible's not the Word of God. And everybody just, like, <gasps> looks up. Yeah. And he's like, no. And then he takes us to John 5, where Jesus says, well, I'm going to go ahead and say it for the people who don't have it memorized. Hmm. But, um, like, you diligently search the scriptures because you think through them you're going to have eternal life, but yet you ignore when the scriptures point to me. And Monty's big thing was, you know, he's he's worked with a lot of um, Muslim people, and he's just saying, don't. It's not like, you know, Muhammad is Jesus and the Quran is the Bible. No, to to Christians, Jesus is the Word of God. Yeah, and yeah. the Bible points to Jesus. What do you What do you think the significance of differentiating Jesus being the Word of God than the Bible as the Word of God? Because honestly, a lot of people say, "Let's open, you know, the Word of God to page forty-two, you know, Genesis, whatever." Sure. Why, what do you think the, the practical difference is of being able to separate those two? Well, I don't actually say that anymore because I think it actually leads um, – I don't say it that way anymore because I think it leads to a lot of confusion. Yep. Because the Bible itself talks about itself the word of God. as the yep. Word of God. So, But I think lowercase w, not the yep. ultimate – I think Christocentric. Like, it is very possible, just like it was for the best religious people of the day, to have memorized and learned the Torah. And then when the Word of God is in the flesh in front of them, to miss it. Okay, so Um, how do we do that today? Like, what's a way that we miss Word of God in front of us today? Because I would—okay, let me jump with this. So this is the—like, if we go back to race relations— 
you know, book, chapter, and verse said in the little w, word of God, slavery is okay. Like, slaves don't change your circumstances where God called you, stay there. Um, you know, masters, you know, don't, you know, be good masters, but, you know, slavery's fine. Um, lowercase word of God supports that. Until you move past the book, chapter, and verse, W, word of God, and you move to a theological, logical, i.e., the W, big W, word of God, you don't realize, no, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, supersedes and transcends the literal word of God on the issue of slavery being okay. Well, okay, so that that one's paraded out a lot. I don't think even the... Uh, and the reason I want to say this is because I care a lot about this. Um, I don't think even the people who are, you know, uh, um, bibliocentric, which is not a, you know, I get that. I, I totally get that. Our tribe loves the Bible. I don't think slavery is supported by the Bible when you read the Bible in its context and entirety. So let me say that. Hold first. on. You don't, the, you don't. No, I don't. You don't think you, could, you couldn't read the Bible and come up with the conclusion that. It's okay, okay to have slavery? You know, Paul Dever. I think you, if you want to, you can, but I think that you got to, if you're doing the work of the text, which is, okay, what does slavery mean to Paul when he's writing this? What is the Paul, what's Paul's whole work when he mm-hmm. says this? And the scope of the Bible, which is, um, you know, good, good Samaritan. I mean, there's, and, and Revelation, I mean, the every every tribe every tongue i so i have a sermon on this that I, i'm actually doing twice this week in two different places but yeah i think um, i'd keep on working on it if i were you um <laughs> okay so you're you're gonna say that argument doesn't even work so, but okay carry on carry on well no i mean the the okay so but what i i, I do agree with what you're trying to do there just although you did it really poorly what i what I do agree is that you've got to read the Bible theologically. Yeah. You've got to let the Bible interpret the Bible. So don't proof text the Bible. You've got to let church history kind of interpret the Bible. And you've got to let the community of faith now and yesterday interpret mm-hmm. the Bible, um, which is what I think they were trying to do. I mean, you've got to wrestle this stuff out. Um, Acts 15, Luke, Timothy, Johnson, the kind of what does this mean today for for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's so. fair. Yeah, that's good. Uh, all right, we're running low. Let's jump to Monica. Did you have anything else you want to do on the ends, okay. green one, before we move? Um, no, I mean, the post-foundational stuff is what I thought they were really getting at, and, and it is mm-hmm. scary. I mean, it is the move from, like, standing over the Bible and having some symbol. Oh, remember they said people think they're in love with scripture, but what they're really in love with is ideology. Their, yeah. Is what they said? Their mean, their love, love for, for meaning. meaning. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I thought that was well said. And I mean, really kind of, yeah. blunt, I, I, I don't know if I said it or whoever said it, but it was, it was definitely well said. Um, yeah, probably so not. not you. Yeah. I think, the naive move of, well, I just read the Bible, and so therefore I form my opinion, is one of the more cancerous uh, tenets to the way many of us do faith. And we don't put everything on the table that influences how we, how we do Scripture. And we don't acknowledge. Like Beck says, you know, the most important thing we bring that, that comes to how we understand God is our excuse me, how we read the Bible is our view of God. So our view of God shapes how we understand text. And this is, like, you see this yeah. when um, I had someone just read a passage about Jesus and go, you know, I think Jesus is making a joke here. And so, you know, this is funny the way he said it. And the only reason he said that is because he himself was a funny person. And so obviously that's the way God is because that's the way I am. And I think you put all that on the table and go, man, there, there's a lot going on here, and it's not nearly as cut and dry as I think it is. So so I just had lunch with Beck, and we were talking about other stuff. But one of the things that he said that I feel like needs to be said in conversations like this is all that is true. And I'm grateful for guys like Pete Inns and Chris. I really like Chris. I mean, he's he seems like a super sharp guy who... Um, I would get along with, but 
one of the one of the things that I think we cannot do if we're going to be true the church of Jesus Christ is keep the we cannot allow this kind of um, education split to happen. And largely the conversations that are like what you had on that podcast are done by people who have like very advanced degrees and the people who um, they're addressing don't. And that really bothers me because... Well, how do you fix um, it though? Because they're... Do you just not have higher higher education and therefore more erudition? No. Like, how do you fix that? So, I mean, that's a great question for the whole, we could spend a whole podcast on. But I just would like to raise the problem, which is, you know, it's don't walk away from a podcast like that and be like, "Yep, those are those idiots." Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the, these these are people who are really trying hard to love God and really trying hard to. But it, but, and, but any theology you know, that doesn't end with you loving the people in front of you is bad theology. Right, but there's there's a there's a and it, this was not in that podcast, but you know I I I work at a, a church that cares a lot about education. I care a lot about mm. education. I I'm mm. I'm educated. <laughs> um, you're a friend ish. <laughs> the but I I think like the end is if if you go with Luke Timothy Johnson, the end is a community of interpretation. And one of the things I have. Uh, concerns about is that in our blind blindness that we're not we're not even where we're doing it we're still colonial i mean we're still like we're gonna tell these poor people what to believe yeah and you know maybe, maybe just a dose of liberation theology like the gospel is what the poor say yeah. it is it would be good to hear you know what's actually good news to people who are uneducated and live in mm-hmm. trailers and say the Bible is the word of God and love their meaning, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's, there's a tension there because there's a lot of really terrible stuff that gets said in the name of, well, this is just what I think about it, and there's no critical thinking. And there needs to be the critical thinking that comes in and yeah. gives accountability. But ultimately, I think you, you start and stop with loving God and loving people, and that has to be the filter. But I do think there is a place for a teacher to say, hey, this is, this is a very complicated idea, that comes from a different language in a different time, and it's translated through 2,000 years of the church's history, and all that needs to be brought on the table, and I don't think everyone has the ability to do that because of the time and resources that they have not allocated in the process of educating and reading because they educate and read on farther, you know, different subjects that they do day-to-day in their job. So there is a tension, and one of the things that... Okay, so we talked about the lunch group that I do on Thursdays, I feel like the, the best illustrations I have in my sermons yeah. come from, okay, this is me wrestling with the text. This is me wrestling with, you know, scholars and through commentaries about it. I'm going to give the idea, and then I talk in that group with people from every different sector of life who is a part of our church, and they give me the illustrations of what that looks like, and those are always the best ones. I, That's yeah. what I'm talking well, about. Um, but let's be honest. You're not wrestling with commentaries as much as you are, like— Wrestling with printing off sermoncentral.com or whatever. Look at, the, I have more here, commentaries behind here, me than you've ever seen in your life. Get out of here. <laughs> Do they all have the pictures <laughs> like that? So I, you should have Jeff Childers on he's the podcast. He's been on the podcast because multiple times. I know. I'm saying to talk about specifically this because he's money on this. I mean, Oxford trained, PhD, smart, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and his intention he's intentionally is fighting against this in his life and is a wiser smarter more intelligent person yep. for it now, the humble academic the humble you know construction guy the humble teacher like that's ultimately it's humility where we all yeah. put what we have in the community pot and we trust that that's enough somehow i yep. really have to go um monica coleman bipolar faith it was good conversation. It was fun. Good book. Um, mental health, real issue. Let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. I mean, not right now. That was a metaphor. Like a, mm. Okay. I was about to talk about what it. Do you, talk. What do you talk about? Give me 60 seconds on mental health. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I was going to talk about okay. the podcast, we talk about? not specifically okay. mental health. The, uh, well, I like, I like her a lot. She seemed to be... Um, Gosh, she had the most generous way of describing 
things that a lot of times people get pretty oh angry my go- about. Like when like, she talked about the guy who raped her. Like that's he. he oh my goodness! I could not. Yes. He's n- he's not just like, one one incident. He's a whole person. Okay. I'm not mature enough. Mature enough as a person. There. Thank you for being a great example yeah. of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, and and that that played out. I mean, just a real kind of. Um, a gospel way of talking about social justice stuff was really yep. refreshing to me. Uh, you know, yeah. There's going to be something to probably talk about later, but her thing about music going out of her story mm. and how theology. Yeah, I, I think there's a fascinating conversation about the theology of music. That it's not just the, the words. Okay, certain words make songs Christian songs, but to say that there's no theology in music if it doesn't have the right Christian words in it, I think you're underselling the power and the spirituality of music. Are you, did you watch the Netflix yeah. um, Stranger Things series that came out? Oh, my goodness, Okay, so if yes. you listen to the way that, that that show was scored, you know the music wasn't just a secondary part of the story. It was part of the story. It, it told the story yeah. through musicality. And, yeah, I thought Monica made a brilliant connection to that. Yeah. Hey, you should have David Dark on. David? Uh, Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious because he talks. It's it's an amazing David book. David Dark. Um, okay. All right. Wrote it down. Jonathan, final word. Final it's word. It's a good month. It was a good month. You know who's coming next month? Who is Richard coming next month? Richard The Return. Okay. Wow. What He's are you got a new book out. About? He does. I haven't heard of it. I guess you're not in the know. Um, it's uh, um, it's about the Trinity. We're also going to have uh, old science Mike. He's he's coming back on talking about his new book. Um, what is that thing called? It's called something. Finding God in the Waves, I believe. So, um, yeah, we're yep, right. we're going to do it. Do you want me to come back on and do some how to start a ride mm-hmm. stuff again? Mm-hmm. I'll see you in Abilene. I'll be in Abilene a couple <laughs> times next week, next month. So, we'll we'll pray about doing a podcast about that book. Okay. Well, it's a good month, man. (laughs) Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.